0: Hello,
1: everyone, and welcome to Chills Podcast, where we discuss the paranormal, true crime, conspiracy theories, and anything creepy. I'm your host, Preston Porras.
0: And I'm Nina Cardona. This week, we have an urban legend and conspiracy story for you. We will be covering the legend of La Lechuza and the conspiracy theories that lie within the Denver International Airport.
1: So sit back, relax, and enjoy this episode of Chills.
0: So this is the legend of La Lechuza. First of all, before I start, I want to ask you, Preston, have you ever heard of La Lechuza?
1: Not until I met you, no.
0: That's because I am one! So the legend of La Lechuza is popular in Mexico and in the Texas border towns. This urban legend is something I grew up hearing about and to be honest, afraid of. Growing up, I spent most summers in Mexico. Actually, it was probably more than that. Most summer vacations, winter breaks, and spring break. Basically, any chance we would get my parents would take me and my siblings to Mexico. I remember first hearing about La Lechuza when I was a child and being terrified. All I knew was that she was a witch who came out at night and had the ability to turn into an owl who would then prey mostly on children. La lechuza is known to have the body of a large owl with the head of an old woman. Hearing her description now, I would say she sounds more like a shapeshifter. For those of you who don't know what that is, according to Webster's Dictionary, a shapeshifter is one that seems able to change form or identity at will, especially a mythical figure that can assume different forms, as of animals. So what exactly is a lechuza? directly translated it's the spanish word for a barn owl but we aren't talking about an owl well not exactly the origin about la lechuza varies some say she was a woman who sold her soul to the devil and in return she gained mystical powers she is able to disguise herself as a normal woman during the day it isn't until nightfall when she turns into her true form others say she was a witch who was murdered by the locals and to seek revenge, she takes the form of what we know now as La Lechuza. Lastly, people say she is a vengeful spirit whose sole purpose is to torment the living. La Lechuza lures people by whistling or mimicking the sound of a baby crying. Unfortunately, anyone who is curious enough to see what it is becomes her next victim. She hides in places where she can't be easily seen, and when she has a chance, she swoops down and attacks her victims and carries them off. One day, when I was about 9 or 10, I was walking home from a store with my sister and our cousins. It was starting to get dark outside. Luckily, we were approaching our grandparents' house. The road we were walking down had mostly trees and, every so often, areas of empty land. All of a sudden, we heard a whistling. As soon as we heard it, we sprinted home. We didn't look back to even see what it was. From what I can remember, we didn't see anyone and we weren't even going to take that chance. Honestly, it could have just been my dad, because he loved scaring me and my two siblings when we were children. Also, I know if he's hearing this, he's going to disagree with me on this, but all I have to say is this. Blair Wedge Project, Turner Falls, Oklahoma.
1: Wait, what happened there?
0: Okay, so this is actually a funny story, but at the time I didn't think so since I was like 10. My family would always take me and my two siblings, Stephanie, my older sister, and Dietz, my younger brother, camping in the RV. We would always go to Turner Falls, which is located in Oklahoma. So this was just a normal road trip. This was right after we had seen the movie Blair Witch Project. Why did we see it at such a young age? I honestly don't know. But we always enjoyed scary movies, so no one was stopping us. Anyways, we were exploring the park when we saw a rundown cabin. There were no doors or windows, and we decided to go in. What we didn't know is that my dad saw it before we did and took off ahead of us without us realizing it. So when we entered, all we see is my dad in the corner facing the wall, just like a scene in the movie, The Blair Witch Project. Well, we were already creeped out when we saw him. We were calling out his name, trying to get his attention, and he wasn't responding, which scared us even more. He tried to scare us and it worked but jokes on him because that night none of us wanted to go to sleep because we were too scared. You have heard my story about La Lechuza and how my dad scared us. Now let's hear a couple from other people. This story is from a user on Reddit by the name Happy Amputee. So when I was younger I was being watched by an ugly owl aka La Lechuza. At night I was on my porch just enjoying being outside. I hear this whistle sound, but I didn't know where it was coming from. I thought maybe it was someone I knew from the neighborhood, so I whistled back, thinking maybe they would come into view. As soon as I whistle, I see an owl perch onto the power lines. As my eyes adjusted to its face, it had this ugly, weird-looking face. I tear up and start crying to my mom. She, of course, just thought it was my imagination. It scared me so much that I stayed inside for the next few nights. I could still hear the whistle, and when I looked out the window, I would see it on the power line so i got my mom and showed her when she saw it she looked so scared she told my grandma about it and my grandma said a prayer over me that night after that i never saw the owl again so according to my grandma the owl is a witch who comes to kill people so she can keep her magic it's supposed to be a mexican folklore i can't say for sure what it is but it definitely scared me i no longer whistle when i hear a whistle so this story was also posted on Reddit and it is by the user kanachu 2020 So this is a true story about my mom and how I almost fell victim to la lechuza. This happened when I was only a few weeks old and my mother decided to go to Mexico to show me off to her family who lives there. She decided to go by bus all the way there. When we got there my mother told me that her family decided to have a big party to celebrate our arrival. When it was over, my grandmother took my mom and I to the guest bedroom, where we would be sleeping in. My mother bought an old-school bassinet for me to sleep in, while my mother slept in a bed across from me. Our mom put me in the bassinet and put two small pillows beside me because she was afraid of me accidentally bumping my head. As we got settled, my grandma's Rottweiler named Rocky came in. He didn't want to leave, so he stayed in our room. It was also hot that night, so my mom opened the sliding glass door that led to a balcony to let some air in for the night. We were on the second floor, so she felt safe leaving it open. Soon after, she got settled in and went to sleep. It was around 3 a.m. when my mom awoke from the loud growls and barks of Rocky. It was strange to her because he never acted this way. He was relatively quiet and a gentle dog, so this was alarming to her. She then heard me crying louder than usual and rushed to my aid. She was left shocked and speechless to what she saw. I was on my stomach face down on the little mattress. She immediately picked me up to comfort me, and turned her attention to Rocky who was still growling and barking uncontrollably. He was facing the balcony. My mother turned to see what it was he was possibly barking at, and screamed when she saw it. She explained it was the most ugliest and most gigantic owl she had ever seen before. Its mouth and wings wide open, and its feathers seemed to be as black as coal. Rocky then ran to the balcony as an attempt to catch it. But the owl quickly flew away into the darkness. My grandpa a few minutes later said he heard a commotion and came to check on us. He found my mother in the middle of the room on the floor holding me like if she was shielding me, and Rocky barking into the sky. Later, my grandma was trying to keep my mom from freaking out anymore my grandpa came to them and told them that he had found a large scratch on my leg. He also pointed out that the pillows that my mother had used to keep my head in place were on the other side of the room, as if they were tossed out of the way. Today, my mother tells me that I survived a kidnapping attempt from La Lechuza. Mexican legend says that La Lechuza is a creature, specifically a witch, who sold her soul to the devil in exchange for power, giving her the ability to transform into a monster, a giant owl. It is said that La Lechuza goes to hunt at night for any potential victims like animals, even drunk people, but more preferably children, to snatch and take them back to her hut in the mountains, where she would devour or sacrifice. Whenever I go visit my family, they always call me Lechusita, as a remembrance for surviving La Lechuza's attempt. The real hero here is my grandma's dog Rocky. He is the one who stopped the owl from doing anything else and chasing it away. If it weren't for him, I don't know what else would have happened. Sadly, he passed away this year. I couldn't get to see him beforehand as I live in the US, but I'll always remember him as a hero. My mother bought Rocky at least 10 bags of treats for protecting us that night, the day after the incident, by the way. I'm 17 years old today and still have a scar on my leg, the same place where the owl scratched me. Though I know logically, kinda, that it could have been just a regular, oddly gigantic owl. But it doesn't explain why it would have came into the house, throw pillows, and leave me face-planted and with a scratch that never healed properly. Now that you have heard these stories, I wish I could help you and tell you how you can ward off Ralechuza if you ever encounter her. But everything I found was contradicting. Some say to use salt to protect yourself, others say to curse at her, Others say don't curse at her because it will make her angry. All I know is that you should try to avoid her at all costs. Your abuelita's hope wouldn't hurt either.
1: Cursed demonic horses. Statues killing their creators. Headquarters of the Illuminati. Murals depicting the apocalypse. Is there really a massive underground city for the world's elite beneath the Denver International Airport? Why is one of America's largest airports considered by some people a gate to hell? What about the miles of tunnels buried underground? Are they home to something non-human? How come some people say they are? Since opening in 1995, the Denver International Airport has been the subject of a huge number of conspiracies. Why did the construction take so long and go so over budget? And why do the barbed wire fences surrounding the airport face inward, like they're trying to keep something in, not out? Let's dive in and break down some of the more popular conspiracies surrounding this massive airport. We'll start with one that isn't so much conspiracy as it is fact. One that nobody traveling in or out of the airport can miss. Sitting just outside of the airport on Banya Boulevard is a massive 32 foot tall 9,000 pound sculpture of a horse. More specifically of a demonic looking Mustang. What makes it look so terrifying? This isn't your regular horse sculpture you might see on historic landmarks or anything like that. No, this horse is painted completely blue with glowing red eyes. Like the eyes actually glow red at night. The statue's official title is Blue Mustang, but locals have given it the nickname, Blucifer. I definitely recommend you Google this thing. It's something you have to see for yourself. Not only is it tall and creepy, it's got a little bit of a dark history. The artist, Luis Jimenez, actually died while creating the sculpture. In 2006, Jimenez was nearly complete with the statue when the head of the horse fell on him, severing an artery in his leg. He died from the injury, so the sculpture had to be finished by his family, friends, and professional painters, Richard Lovato and Camilo Nunez. And here's something I found interesting during my research. Blue Mustang was actually based on another sculpture Luis Jimenez did. This one is a smaller eight foot version of the horse named Mesteño, that's Spanish for Mustang. It's actually on display at the University of Oklahoma, and it has the same blue body with glowing red eyes. The idea behind the sculpture was to symbolize the power of the untamed American West in the form of a powerful midnight blue stallion. 32 foot stall statue at the Denver airport was actually commissioned by the city in the mid nineties with the hopes that it could be unveiled at the opening of the airport in 1995. Unfortunately, the statue is behind schedule, a pattern you'll start to see with other aspects of this airport and it wasn't unveiled until 2008. Everyone passing through the airport has to meet the gaze of the statue, so if you ever find yourself traveling through Denver, keep an eye out for those glowing red eyes in the sky. Under the giant tents covering the main section of the airport, inside the Great Hall, there's a dedication capstone with a very interesting inscription on it. Dated March 19, 1994, the capstone contains a time capsule set to be opened by the people of Colorado in 2094 the dedication stone was paid for by two freemason grand lodges in colorado we'll get back to that last part in a minute what's really interesting is the dedication stone also names the new world airport commission now who is the new world airport commission of course no one really knows conspiracy theorists think that with the included freemason logo on the stone the stone has ties to the new world order if you don't already know the new world order is a conspiracy theory that claims world governments and the world's elite will one day come together to create a single totalitarian government that will rule the world. Some people say this stone, along with the miles of underground tunnels and the rumored underground city we'll talk about later, proves that the airport will actually be the headquarters of the future government. To go even further, some conspiracy theories today claim that since the airport will be the headquarters, It will one day be converted into a prison for the citizens of the world after the New World Order comes together. That brings us back to the barbed wire fences I mentioned earlier. The fences surrounding the airport grounds face in, like they're trying to keep people in, rather than out. So now that we've discovered the airport grounds will one day be a prison for the remaining citizens of the world and a headquarters for a new totalitarian government and home to powerful people around the world, let's talk about what lies beneath our future new home. While the airport was being constructed in the 90s it fell 16 months behind schedule and 2 billion over its original budget why would it fall so far behind a former construction worker who helped build the airport might have our answer he claims that five multi-story buildings and a complex system of tunnels were built under the airport
0: that sounds suspicious
1: are these the headquarters mentioned earlier i mean that would explain why it took so long to build the airport big buildings take time Some theories claim that the tunnels house fallout bunkers for the members of the New World Order. Some theories say the tunnels are home to lizard people and aliens.
0: Ooh, I saw a video about lizard people. Um, what day was it? Saturday? No, Friday. Yeah, Friday.
1: Apparently they live in the Denver International Airport.
0: They live in New York City too, so I guess they're everywhere.
1: And in relation to the future person mentioned earlier... Some people say the tunnels are where the prisoners will live while the government stays in the underground building. It turns out the truth is much more boring. Big surprise, right? In actuality, the tunnels act as the airport's baggage transportation system. There's many workers who use the miles of tunnels every day. The underground buildings, though, those remain a mystery.
0: What if they're like storm shelters?
1: There's not many storms in Denver
0: oh I don't know then
1: <laughs> at least I don't think so it's just snow I imagine
0: well there you go
1: any Denver people <laughs> reach out and let us know
0: <laughs> they're probably going to be like y'all idiots <laughs> uh, wait you know what my big I'm sorry Steph but I, I don't know much about Denver can you go to Denver and take pictures of the airport for us thank you
1: Denver International Airport is home to many art installations created by local artists Blucifer isn't the only famous one, though. There's two murals, both painted by artist Leo Tenguma, that people usually remember when leaving the airport. People believe that both paintings seem to show the rise of a dark power and possibly extinction of humans. The first one we'll discuss is titled, Peace and Harmony with Nature. The two-part painting is said to symbolize environmental destruction versus environmental healing. The first section of the painting shows a city flooding in the background and a huge forest fire with billowing smoke next to it. Closer, in the middle of the painting, we see children of different nationalities carrying extinct animals in glass cases away from the forest fires. That's sad. In front of those children, we see a young girl crying over three graves with deceased women of different nationalities in them. Each grave has a dying animal on top of it. On top of the left grave is an exhausted sea turtle. It looks like it's been caught in a fishing net. Over the middle grave, we see a dead jaguar, and over the right grave are the ribs of a large unknown animal. It's a really dark and unsettling scene. The second part of the painting tells a completely different story. In the second painting, children from almost every country are smiling, dancing, playing instruments, and facing a rainbow-colored flower featuring a white dove coming out of the center of it. In the background, behind the children, we see four different nature scenes thriving and full of animal life. The scenes show the sea, valley, mountains, and desert. This one paints a much happier picture of human interaction with nature. But do these paintings hold deeper meanings than most people seem to find? As we learned before, some theories claim that the airport will be home of a single world government. Other theories seem to point out that the airport will in fact be a central hub but more so for the important people of the world after an apocalyptic event takes place. This would seem to make sense with the flooding cities, large forest fires and extinct animals seen in the first painting. Some people think that the rainbow colored flower seen in the second painting is the new totalitarian government being embraced by the remaining children of the earth. Whatever the true meaning behind the painting, it's something you need to see for yourself. Believe it or not, the second two-part mural is even darker than the one we just learned about. This two-part painting is titled, Children of the World, Dream of Peace. In the first part of the painting, you can see a large towering soldier wearing a gas mask and wreaking havoc on a destroyed city with a gun and a sword. Underneath him, a young boy with tears in his eyes grips a teddy bear while trying to sleep on a pile of bricks. A caravan of grey-colored people can be seen leaving the destroyed city, seemingly trying to get away from the soldier. In the arms of the crying woman closest to us in the caravan is a dead child. And last, a rainbow seems to lose all its color and fade away as it gets closer to the soldier. In the second part of the painting, we see a much more cheerful scene. The rainbow is back and full of color. Much like the first mural we learned about, children from all over the world have come to destroy the weapons of war bundled in their country's flag. The towering soldier that was destroying the city is now cracked and dead at the bottom of the painting. Doves rest on his body, and more children are destroying his sword. These themes clearly illustrate war versus peace, but given that the paintings are displayed at the airport, it makes sense that they fit the apocalyptic and extinction theme seen in other objects around the airport.
0: I just want to know why do they think that'd be like, oh, we should hang this painting at the airport. Like, I don't know. It doesn't make sense. There's
1: been a lot of discussion about that. A lot of people have been upset by these paintings. And they've been hanging up there for years. So no one's got enough traction to take them down yet. It's definitely a talking point. I think the airport wants to keep it up. So it will continue to be a talking point. So we've covered demonic horses, underground cities and tunnels, and apocalyptic artwork. These are arguably the most popular conspiracies to come out of the Denver International Airport. I strongly urge you to Google everything I've talked about today. The artwork and horse statue are something you definitely need to see for yourself. Also, I've got to give credit to the people who run the airport. While they deny that the conspiracies are actually true, they've completely embraced them. You'll see signs or other little things poking fun at the theories. If they put a tent up for construction, they'll jokingly say it's really because they're adding another fallout bunker in the terminal.
0: Well, I think Lucifer sounds adorable. We should go visit him.
1: Absolutely. Let's go.
0: And that concludes this week's episode of Chills. Thank you for listening, everyone. I hope you join us next week for a personal paranormal story.
1: Thanks for listening. See you next week.